A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you notice that you're feeling more tired or fatigued these days? Maybe you're having difficulty concentrating or find yourself more impatient than usual. It might be that you just flat out feel more depressed or anxious. So whether you're noticing symptoms or not, you are likely suffering from what's known as coronavirus fatigue or pandemic burnout. And today I'm going to teach you how to identify your symptoms and my top tips to help you stay calm and focused right now, today, after you get off the podcast. As always, I've got a great free giveaway that's going to blow your mind and help you get that calm, focused, joyful life you've been craving just for listening because I love you. That's right. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connected and happy relationships. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in your relationship today. So let's get to it. You're back. I missed you. Thank you for coming back. You're the best. Oh, oi from the burnout. My dad used to say that, oi from that. It's like a, I don't know what thing. (laughs) It's sort of a Yiddish thing. It's sort of English wasn't his first language thing. I don't know. But he used to say oi from that. And I feel like that's where we're at right now. Oi from that with this world we're living in. (sighs) Ah, So, you know, when you write in, I I give you back the love and I have these wonderful topics. You you have the best topics that I should talk about. That's for sure. And so if you haven't wrote in yet with a great idea, isn't it time? Isn't there something you're struggling with? Abby at abbymedcalf.com. I answer. It's really me. No joke. So 
Before we jump in, if you are enjoying the podcast and thank you when you write to me and tell me how much it helps you, it makes my day. It is really does. And I often will email back and say that. It it just fills my heart. And so thank you for letting me know. Um, and what I'd really, 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 really like you to do is leave a review. Go, please, please. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it's you know it's free. I don't even have sponsors on here for, on purpose, um, at least at this point, you know. And I've been getting asked, and I'm bigger and bigger. But I really just want something where it feels like you know it's just me and you. Uh, and so, what I would like, if you, to, is to please, if you enjoy it, to go and leave a review, and that helps get the word out. Uh, you know it. And subscribe to the podcast for sure. You know, you want it, it drops every Wednesday. You'll get it right there. You're subscribed, you're ready. Uh, so subscribe and leave a review. Please, 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 please. I'd really appreciate it. Okay. So I heard the best line recently, which is that hand sanitizer is the new condom. <laughs> Isn't that good? It's good. So, yep, yep, that's our nor new normal. And the new way we check with people to see if they're safe. Got your hand sanitizer. What you doing? Uh, it is our world has been rapidly changing. I don't have to tell you that. And I'm going to talk uh, with some statistics about the United States today. And I uh, do, you know, I I get um, emails and contact from literally all over the world, Australia and Sweden and Iceland and uh, the UK and uh, everywhere. So thank you. Um, and it would take me even longer to have to look up stats all over the world. So I admit I haven't done that for today, but in the future, I am going to try to work harder at that. Um, but here in the US, it's been quite the thing. Uh, everything is changing. Our you know businesses, really entire industries have been decimated. Uh, travel is severely severely curtailed, so a lot of us feel really trapped. Uh, you know, I got my kids in high school learning at home. There's all this virtual learning happening. We're cooped up with people we love, and we want to kill them often. We and on the other side, we feel isolated and lonely. It, it's it's everywhere. It can feel like you've got no control, and the hits just keep on coming. Here in Northern California, we're we're having these wildfires. Uh, the smoke in the air, the craziness of feeling like, you know, what's next? Uh, always what's next. So, and you know, we've been very busy here in the U.S. flattening the curve with, uh, so hospitals don't get overwhelmed. But I'm going to tell you right now. The mental health industry is busting at the seams. I have never been busier. I I'm on, I was on the phone Friday at 6 a.m. with uh, someone I work with in uh, London, actually, or outside of London. Uh, but I just feel like people are coming out of everywhere, and I I have to. I really want to say yes. I, I feel bad, you know. I, I want to help, but we've. We've really gotten, uh, we really need to look at flattening the mental health curve. I'll tell you that right now. That's going to be the, the big thing, if you haven't seen it yet, that you're going to continue to see. Uh, people are having issues at an alarming rate, alarming. So studies show that the COVID-19 pandemic is associated with anxiety, fear, distress, depression, insomnia, all highly <laughs> correlated and causal. We've seen a dramatic rise here in the US in alcohol and drug use. PTSD symptoms, domestic violence, 
And we're really looking at, uh, especially based on history, that the suicide rate is going to spike very dramatically. Uh, so all of this, the, this disease has had profound psychological and social effects. And that includes you, my love, you too. Uh, whether you, and this is the thing I've noticed that people don't seem to notice that this is really wearing. And that is the most alarming thing to me. So I'm hoping I can really get this point home today and get you clear on what's happening. And of course, how to help. So nearly a third of Americans are reporting symptoms of depression and anxiety. And a federal emergency hotline for people in emotional distress had a more than, get this, 1,000% increase in calls compared to the same time last year. Yeah. So there was a Kaiser Family Foundation tracking poll conducted in July showing that 53% of adults in the U.S. reported that their mental state was negatively effective because of their worry and stress over COVID. In March, that number was at 32%, which is still high, but it from March to July, jumped from 32 to 53%. So as this wears on, we're getting so worn out. And I've I've talked about our emotional bandwidth before. And basically, this is the room you have in your brain to handle all the things happening in the world, to handle what's coming at you. So the problem is that last February, your plates were full. Your plate was full last February. you you had more than you felt like you could handle in a lot of ways. And then this, yeah, this happened. <laughs> and it it just took it to a whole other level. I talk a lot about how you can't focus on the time in your day. You have to focus on the mind in your day. And as it was before, you know, you would go through your day I have another podcast on this and I'll link to that in the show notes, but you would go through your day and you'd think, oh, tonight I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to go meet up with friends or, you know, because you're thinking, oh, I, I work or I go to school or I do whatever I do all day. I take care of the kids. And then, uh, but, you know, kids are in bed at a certain time or I'm done with work at a certain time, you know, by, I don't go to bed till 11 and it'll, I'll be done with everything by 6.37. So I'll have hours to do A, B, and C. And what happens when 6.30 or 7 rolls around? Are you out being productive and doing all the things? No, because you're tired. You're binge watching something on Netflix, eating things you told yourself not to eat all day, or just laying around like a big vegetable, playing games on your phone, or scrolling through social media. That's what happens because you have time left in your day, but you don't have emotional bandwidth. You don't have mind left in your day. So, and I've said this more than once, thinking of your day as having 24 hours is wrong. You can't base your day on those 24 hours. You have to base it on how much sort of bandwidth you have, how much mental capacity you have to handle things. And everyone's a little different on how much they can kind of handle. Uh, I personally am just one of those people who can sort of take on a lot and be okay for to a point. I mean, even I, of course, have a tipping point. And so I, I need you to get that it's that proverbial, you know, frog metaphor, which is a true thing. You know, if you put a frog in 
boiling water, it'll jump out. But if you put a frog in water and start to just heat it slowly, it'll boil itself to death. And that is what's been happening with people. They have, it, This has just been going on and on and on and on. I remember way back when my kids left school and they said, oh, we're going to take two weeks off. And then actually it was spring break right after that or something. And so they said, so it'll be three weeks and then we'll be back. You know, hello. That was in in March. So yeah, it's been it's been quite a time for all of us. Now, so let me talk first about what's pandemic uh, burnout or you know fatigue or Corona fatigue or burnout. What is that? So there's been a lot of intense emotions flying around since shelter in place started back in March. Lots of it. You've no doubt been on just this roller coaster from fear and frustration to anxiety and loneliness or feeling isolated to being, uh, you know, just wanting to be isolated because people are bugging you, whatever. But I'll tell you this, the symptom I see the most is an overall feeling of being exhausted. Uh, sometimes that's a physical thing, a physical kind of lethargy. And sometimes it's just this sort of inner weariness. And that's what I hear most. And and again, people keep being surprised. They're like, oh, I'm just so tired. Oh, I just can't seem to motivate myself. And I'm like, yeah, I want to shake them. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is this pandemic burnout. That's what you're dealing with, this fatigue. So let me talk about some of the symptoms you may or may not have noticed that are, and these are real things. This is real. And likely we're going to end up adding this as a mental health diagnosis at some point, but right now what we know and what we're seeing uh, consistently across the board, besides that exhaustion, that internal and external exhaustion, we see uh, this feel. maybe you have this feeling of being sort of snappy you know, you're snapping at folks, you're, you have a quick kind of fuse happening right now, or this or this nervous energy, you just feel a little bit like you're calling out your skin or a little bit like something's wrong, you just don't know what it is and you, you feel a little anxious or nervous. Being more easily frustrated and impatient, so it goes along, right? Eating or sleeping more or less than usual. We've seen a lot of insomnia, uh, uh, People obviously, you know, we talk about this like uh, pandemic pounds. You know, I've I have a few I need to take off. Uh, drinking or using drugs more than usual. That we alcohol uh, sales here in the United States have soared. They are off the charts. Um, any of those kinds of things. A general lack of motivation. You know, your your get up and go has gone up and went. You just aren't feeling it. Isolation and withdrawal from others constant negative or racing thoughts, and uh, increases, you might see increases in symptoms related to a previously diagnosed mental health disorder you've had. So increases in symptoms of depression, anxiety, PTSD for sure, we've seen quite a bit, or your mood generally being unstable. Maybe you've had a stable mood for a while and now it just feels unstable. Maybe you're really up one day and really down another. And let me talk about why is it so bad? What really is happening? Because it's not, it's a real brain thing. And that's, you know, me with the science. I'm going to come at some science with you, but I, I want you to get this. So why it's so hard to be in this pandemic? Because of course, in some ways, you might be someone who still has a job and, you know, 
we have a house, we have a roof over our heads. Obviously, some people are having a hard time in the pandemic because they don't know where money's coming from. They don't lost their work, that kind of stuff. But there, there are plenty of people who have money and all those things and are still feeling these symptoms. So I, I want you to see why that is. There's a lot going on, but you know, there is toilet paper again, right? <laughs> and there's a certain rhythm maybe you've fallen into that you're getting used to. So, so what's the deal? Why is this so hard? Well, the reason this sucks so bad and has all of us feeling like, uh, like you were in a drunken bar fight last night and you don't remember it, <laughs> it is really because of this ancient hardwiring in your brain. Y- your brain hates uncertainty, hates it, doesn't like it. And that's all we've had for the last six months. And right now, and there's no end in sight. So the uncertainty is is staying. We don't know. Is there going to be a vaccine? We don't know. What's next? Oh, is there another surge? Oh, we, we tried to go back to school. You know, there was some universities here that opened up and, you know, uh, Corona uh, reports went through the roof. It's like, ah, uh, what's, and so it goes back and forth. Things open and then they close. Your brain hates ambiguity, uncertainty so much that whenever it experiences it, whenever it experiences it, it'll make up all kinds of stories and you'll fill in the blanks. And and often very wrong. You will often fill in the blanks really wrong just so that you feel more certain. That's what your brain will lie and tell all kinds of crazy things just to feel more certain. So, you know, your boyfriend doesn't respond to your text. It must be because he's dead on the side of the road. Or is that just Jewish girlfriends who think that? We don't know. Uh, boss doesn't smile when you greet her. Oh, must be because I'm about to get fired. Or is that only Jewish employees who think that? Okay. (laughs) Friend doesn't comment on, or, you know, like a picture you posted on social media. Must be because she now hates you, never wants to speak to you again. Do, Do you see the problem here? Your brain generally jumps to some negative conclusion and will assume the worst. We'll personalize it. We'll we'll think it's all you. It'll assume the worst before realizing, you know, your boyfriend turned off his phone for a couple hours so he can concentrate on his work. And your your boss was actually sick this morning. She she had a stomach flu, I don't know, and came to work. And your friend didn't see your post yet. It's you know this is true. You've had the crazy thoughts and and gone, gone down a road. That but the reason you're doing that is this sort of negativity bias we have, but it's the reason you go negative. But the reason you even think about it is because of how much your brain hates uncertainty. When something comes at you, even that small, your boss, not kind of not smiling when they usually do when, when the meeting started, acting a little different, you immediately, and you know you do it, don't even try to deny it, go down this really crazy negative way. So because then this is the thing to your brain uncertainty equals danger if it's uncertain it means something bad's about to happen like we have to be really careful we have to be on high alert if your brain doesn't know what's around the corner it can't keep you safe and out of danger so if you were you know leaving your clan your cave and walking out and you didn't know you know, your brain is uncertain. Is there something around there? Is there something over there? Is there something behind that bush? What about that? Oh gosh, there's no, there's no water. Should we leave? Should we stay? What should we do? Oh, the, we can't find a food source right now. What should we do? I mean, this uncertainty makes the brain crazy because back in the day, 200,000 years ago, 2 million years ago, 200 million years ago, 
when we had uncertainty, it you, it often meant we were going to die. It meant something had changed, a, a water source had dried up or a food, whatever, something had changed and bad things were probably going to happen because they did. So that is your wiring. So so again, to your brain, anytime you're uncertain, anytime there's ambiguity, anytime you're not sure, y- your brain thinks you're in danger and acts accordingly. So anytime, so cer- if certainty is questioned, that lizard brain that I talk about all the time, that that fight, fright, or free, fight, flight, or freeze mechanism, that ancient, again, hard wiring, uh, it goes crazy. And it tries to get you to take some action, to, to do something, to get you to a safe place. So, and, and it releases a, a bunch of neurotransmitters that create that. So, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute before I get into all our tips. But I really, I want to get this point across because what happens is people think, oh, I'm just not being strong enough. I don't have enough willpower. I, I, ju- I just blah, blah, blah. That we, we don't take mental health issues very seriously in the, United, in the United States, especially. And so we sort of write them off as a personal defect, a, a thing we're not very good at yet. And I am telling you that your brain gets hijacked. And so just like I can't tell a diabetic person to willpower themselves, you know, willpower their pancreas to, uh, to work better, you cannot willpower out of this, people. You you need to have some very specific tips. So, and I have to share this study with you. Your brain hates uncertainty so much, it would rather get an electric shock than be unsure. Uh-huh. There was a, a kind of famous study done in 2016, I'll link to it in the notes, where researchers were looking at how people reacted to being told they would either definitely get a painful shock, painful electrical shock, or if they would probably get a painful electric shock, okay? So, so they, they did this research saying, if you're definitely going to get one, or you're probably going to get one. And here's the crazy thing they discovered. Participants who knew that they would definitely get the shock were measurably, meaning they could tell, they could measure it, they were measurably calmer and less agitated than the people who told they only had a 50% chance of getting the shock. And 50% seems to be a, a kind of key number, but I'm not going to go too into that now. But so get that. So the people who were told they would definitely get it, they actually were were more relaxed. They were less agitated than the people who weren't sure. They were uncertain. Is it coming? Is it not? Those people were, were climbing out of their skin. And I want you to think about it. It's the same way that, and the research shows this, that it, job uncertainty. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Being uncertain about your job takes a greater toll on your health than actually losing the job. So the longer you're in that uncertainty, the longer you're not sure, is a layoff coming my way, what's going to happen? The longer that happens, the worse it is for you. As And I know it sounds crazy. You're thinking, well, no, it's better to have a job than to lose it. What are you talking about? But I'm telling you what the what the biology is, what happens in your brain. And if you really think about it, I was sharing this with Gary, you know, we share stuff with Gary. And he he thought about that. He said, yeah, you're right. Like, if I know I'm getting the shock or I know something's happening, I do it because I start to plan. Then you start to plan. Then you can start to figure things out. Then you could just go, okay, just get it over with. You know, at that point, you want to get it over with. It, he said that. And I thought, you're right. You just give me the shock, fire me. Let's be done. Let me let me get to that next thing. It's the waiting that's so, so stressful. So, and I'm going to science this out for just a second. I just want to explain this one thing, I promise. And then we're going right into tips. So, you, so your brain hates it, we know that, but why do you get that nervous or edgy feeling? It's because there's a tiny structure in your brain, I just want to take a second on this, and uh, called your locus ceruleus, okay? Your locus ceruleus, I'm just going to say LC, so I don't say that, butcher that name too much. And it, this part of your brain, it tracks uncertainty in your brain, yeah. It's this little thing that tra- your LC tracks uncertainty in your, in your brain. That's how important it is that we have brain, uh, we have phys- something physical in the brain that actually tracks it. So when you're in any kind of stressful situation, it gets activated. This LC gets activated and releases a neurotransmitter called norepinephrine. It's also called noradrenaline. That's another name for it. And I'm sure you've heard of epinephrine, which is also called adrenaline. This is norepinephrine, also called noradrenaline. Okay. And it, it's still a stress. The, the, they're both these stress neurotransmitters, these stress hormones. One of them uh, acts more on your heart, one of them acts more on your nervous system. It's just, but they're very, very similar. I, I do want to say that. So if you're not liking that I'm using these, longer words, just think adrenaline. You, you know what that does in your system. Uh, but but I, w- I always want to be correct in what I tell you. But this release of norepinephrine is a stress signal and it makes you feel wired or on edge. Okay. So it gives you that thing. So it, when it's released in the brain, it triggers this a physical and, a, and behavioral responses to stress. So your heart and respiration rates increase, your blood will flow faster, your muscles tense, you feel more alert or wired because you've got to get ready to take some action. So that there's a whole lot of biology working against you, no matter what you think. So, right? It's no wonder you're feeling the way you're feeling. (sighs) So how do we get over that? How do we move past the biology? How do we kind of turn off this mechanism uh, and turn on some other things? So I'm going to share with you the top five ways. These are the ones, again, you know me, I always do the research. I have hands-on experience with my clients. I see what works and what doesn't. I roll that together and I bring you my top tips for things. Okay. So let's go. Here we go. I know it's exciting. 
So top five ways to stay focused and calm right now and get out of pandemic burnout or corona fatigue, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Tip number one. And again, back by research. I just want to be clear. Start your day with intention. Start your day with intention. I'm going to link. I do a lot about setting intention. I call it the 18-second pause or the 18-second shift. Um, I'll link in the show notes to all kinds of things on intention so we don't have to spend too much time here. There's so many. I've talked about it before. I've chatted. But but quickly, basically, starting your day this way is – so for me, I've talked about before, I get up, the alarm goes off, whatever. I put my feet on the floor. Before I get out of bed, I set intention. I say – what my plan is, my goal for how I want to feel basically is what setting intention is. So, or, or how I want my brain to work. So I might say, okay, my intention today is to be really mindful. Uh, my intention is to be loving, to be kind, to be patient. We all know I like patience for me. Uh, whatever that is, and you can have more than one, but don't get too out there. And what I really want you to do is set intention often during the day. So then, so I do that and I do my thing. Um, and then I will get to work. And before I meet with cli- each client, actually, before I meet with each and every client, because it just takes seconds, I just take that breath. I close my eyes and I say, all right, what's my intention? My intention is to be of service, to be helpful, whatever. I did it right before the podcast, right before I hit record, I ah, close my eyes, take that breath. Oh, my intention is to be so helpful, to have lots of energy, to really get through to anyone who's not believing that this is real. That That's what I said. So hopefully that's already happened uh, and, and is happening, but that's the intention. And what happens when you do that, remember, is you direct your conscious brain, but also your subconscious brain to look for those things, to look for ways to be patient, to be of service, to rem- and it will remind you. That's what's amazing about it. And the more you do it, the more it works. So the the more often you do it, the more off it, it just will work all day long. So I will be getting out of the car, you know, running into the grocery store maybe, and uh, all of a sudden my little brain will go, oh yeah, remember to be kind, remember to be patient. It's like, okay, okay. Because I'll find myself, you know, oh, I'm rushing, I'm doing, and just to have that calm moment. But again, the research supports me on this, that setting, starting your day with intention, with that good feeling thought gum, coming right out of the gate is the best. Remember, your your momentum, your any negative momentum stops when you sleep. So when you wake up, you have the best chance of starting that day with real positive, phenomenal momentum. Okay? So so that's where you are. All right. Tip number two, practice mindfulness throughout the day. Now, these are connected because you can set intention all day. That's a way to be mindful. I have done a ton of stuff on mindfulness. So I'm, again, not going to spend too much time here. I'm just going to give you some little tips. If you want more on mindfulness, come on over to the website, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. I will, in the show notes for this episode 108, I will have links to mindfulness, but you also can just go on my website and go to the blog page or whatever page. And uh, the blog page and the podcast page both have a search function and you can put in the word mindfulness. And guess what'll happen? All the little things that relate to that will come popping up. I know, beautiful thing, right? So really easy. But let me say this, practicing mindfulness, the research shows has been over and over, has been shown to both le- to lessen emotional reactivity 
that's a really big one. So when you're, it really helps you not be so impatient. It helps you act, not react. Being mindful is is a superpower. It really, really is. And it helps you make better decisions. You make better decisions when you're mindful, mostly because it's lessened your emotional reactivity. So you're making decisions that are truly from a healthier, more thoughtful, um, rational part of your brain versus reacting to something and, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, you've done that. (laughs) You've made a decision later and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Oh my gosh. And that is because you weren't mindful. And mindful, again, is just bringing your attention to the present moment non-judgmentally. That's all it is. But what happens when you, and what I love is to bring my attention to the present moment and then set my intention. So I might just take that breath, close my eyes. Okay, right this minute, I'm okay. I'm okay in this moment. I was just freaking out about something I'm late with or a work project, or maybe I was thinking about regretting something I did in the past, whatever, wherever my brain was wandering. And we know your brain wanders about 50% of the time, right? Where I do that in other podcasts, but your brain is wandering about 50% of the time. That's work of Matt Killingsworth. It's amazing. Uh, so 50, just about 50% of the time, you're not thinking about whatever you're doing. I know. And, and the research shows that when your mind wanders, you are your mood uh, gets lower, okay? So the research is absolutely correlated to that. So if you can just come back to the moment and be in the moment and be okay, and then like, okay, whew, shake that off. I'm okay. Whew, my heart, my chest feels a little tight. Let me just loosen that. Let me breathe into that. All is well. I'm all right in this moment. This is a good day. Let me set my intention to be more mindful through the rest of the day, to notice what I'm thinking about, and to stop negative thoughts before they gain momentum. There you go. And we call this metacognition, which is basically thinking about your thinking. It's a, it's like kind of a third person looking down. And that's how I feel when I'm doing that. I'm sort of looking down at myself and going, ooh, Abby, ooh, you were, wow, you really... Uh, reacted kind of strongly to that. I the other night at dinner, that was last week, I guess. Gary and I had gone out to dinner, and we were talking about Max, <laughs> my son, and I was so defensive. I he was like, "Why don't we try this? Well, let's do this." And I was so defensive. I cut off everything. I was like, "Well, no, I've already tried that. No, that didn't work." And da da da, you know. And but I I did notice. I did notice, and I I said, I'm being really defensive. I'm really sorry. I'm just really caught up. And he wasn't thrilled about it, so he kind of got in his place, and I got in my place. But we got over it really quickly because I I noticed I was able to say, I really apologize. That's not how I want to be. And we were able to kind of step away from it because I wasn't listening. I was not hearing anything. I was caught up in my fear state. And that was not helpful. And I can't hear a suggestion in that anyway, so who cares? But my my mindfulness practice, so it's not perfection. I, I of course, still do stupid things and say stupid things and get caught up in myself and have my head up my butt. That still happens, but it happens a lot less, number one. And uh, often I notice when it happens, which is great. So, th- So the mindfulness is just huge. So instead of us having some big fight or that turning into, you know, a cold shoulder all night or something else or resentments, it just got handled in the moment and we and we were able to move on and have a nice dinner. So it really does help. It's going to, the mindfulness throughout the day is huge. So just checking in. And I, I have a uh, blog, blog and a podcast on how to make mindfulness a consistent habit. So again, go check that out uh, if you want more on that, but it's really big. 
Number three, and this is where your little um, gift comes in. Yeah, always something free and gifty for you is to increase your optimism. This is a real thing. One of the best ways to be able to tolerate more uncertainty is to increase your optimism level. Raising, so raising that optimism set point to balance your negativity bias, which we all have and we know about it. I talk about it all the time. It shifts your brain. Really what happens, it shifts it to a more neutral state. That's what happens. It's not like you, you, you know, do some optimism work and suddenly you're just Pollyanna. That's, that's not what happens at all. Especially depending on how negative you are, it'll bring you more neutral. It'll bring you more to like kind of a middle ground. And from there, your brain can anticipate and think about uh, positive outcomes, negative outcomes, but more evenly. It can, it can, it sees them in, uh, it gives some rel- relativity to it. It uh, stops your perceptions and your craziness, your expectations from getting crazy. So it, it, it's, it calms your brain. You've got a different choice in a calmer brain. And I am going to link in the show notes to my free, it's free, Optimism Jumpstart Workshop. And it's so great. You take the optimism test and you see where you are, and then you can very, uh, it's fun to take a test. Not the pessimists hate it, but you know what I mean. Um, And when you take the test, then you can see sort of where you are, and then you can work on these kind of smaller pieces. You sort of can, what I like about this particular test is that it breaks down optimism into different areas. So you might be optimistic in one area and pessimistic in another, and it helps you actually just focus on the one area. So it's it's really great. So come on over to the website, abbymedcalf.com and forward slash podcast, and we will link to the free Optimism Jumpstart Workshop so that you can increase your optimism levels. There are absolutely ways to do it and uh, they're important. Okay. Tip number four of my five tips, take care of the low-hanging fruit. Yes. Whenever I speak with anybody, clients, friends, whoever, about their anxiety or upset feelings, the first thing I do is really go after, I ask questions to assess if the easy stuff can be handled. Okay. If the easy stuff, the low hanging fruit can be taken care of because there's some easy things you can do quick and easy to ease yourself towards comfort and a sane mind that are, are the very practical and right away. But for some reason, we tend to ignore these things a lot, or we think it's something bigger, or you know, we have to do something more huge to have any any kind of real um, change or shift in the needle. And that's just not true. Just not true. So the first thing is to limit alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine. I know you might not like to hear the things I'm about to say, but they are the low hanging fruit. All of these aggravate anxiety and depression and can even trigger panic attacks, by the way. Uh, whenever I have clients who are anxious, I one of the first things I look at is any kind of stimulant that they're taking in. So nicotine, um, caffeine, these are terrible things to be taking if you're anxious because they're going to make you more anxious. They, they're, they're stimulants. Uh, the problem often is that those things initially, when you, if you have a drink, if you're anxious and you have a drink or a cigarette, often you go, ah, I feel so much calmer. You know, it, it feels like it takes the edge off. And it does initially, you get that, you get that um, first sort of positive feedback, but actually it does the opposite 
longer. It's it's I mean in an easy way. Think about it. if you if you're feeling upset and you eat a pint of Haagen Dazs, you know, yeah, it's, you're gonna feel better in a moment as you're eating the ice cream, but you're gonna be packing on the pounds. So just because something feels better in the moment doesn't mean it's better. <laughs> it it often has it, it'll hit you, you know. It'll come around the corner and bite you in the ass later. So really limit your alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine. I mean, I would love to say get rid of them, but at least limit because that's an easy way to take care of the these uh, pandemic burnout feelings. The second thing, so there's three things I'm going to give you here. So that to, for the low-hanging fruit, limit your alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine, get enough sleep. When you are stressed, your body needs additional sleep and rest. It does. It, it, this is when all the the repairing happens and it really helps. So get to bed on time. <laughs> I did a whole episode on sleep recently. We, I'll link to that again in the show notes. If you missed that, I'm not going to get too into it here. All I, I did a whole episode on just sleep, getting friggin' sleep and all kinds of great tips for how to do that. But you, sleep is huge and it's one of the things we ignore the most or you're thinking, well, I'm sleeping more than usual. This is terrible. It's not necessarily terrible. It is something that's often helping you. I will say if you drink and then fall asleep, that's not good. If you are, you know, that's not good sleep. If you're sleeping over 10 hours, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, but, you know, just some rest and and really just feeling, it, waking up and feeling more energized is what should happen when you've slept well. Uh, so we're looking for that. And then the third piece of this is move your butt, move it. Even a little bit of movement every day will help you feel good and maintain your health. And there, again, there's all kinds of research on this, but especially during this, we're sitting a lot more. We're stationary a lot more because we're not able just to be up and about and doing things. We used to run out and run an errand and do this and do that. And all of that has been curtailed. I know for me, I've talked about it sitting in my office. I see, I might even be seeing the same number of clients during the day that I was before, but I used to get up, go to the door, let them in, walk back, and I'd sit in my chair. I'd move in my chair. I'd cross my legs one way, then the other. I had a little stool. I'd put my feet up. I'd, you know, there was a way that I was actually in movement. Uh, and now I'm not. I'm I'm sitting straight, staring at a computer screen. I can't cross my legs under the desk. It's too low for that. Um, I don't get up a lot. You know, I, I do now. I get, make sure I have a couple minutes in between. And I get up and I often jump and do some stretching exercise stretches. But I, I mean, it is just not what it used to be because I'm sitting so still during sessions. So I also got a standing desk, um, which is really helping me. So I stand up, you know, and sit down in between. I'm standing right now doing the podcast uh, at my standing desk. So I found some ways to really help, but you've got to move your butt. You really do. And make a conscious effort for that. All right. So that's the low-hanging fruit. Take care of it. Pay attention to it. It can really make a change without you having to do the, any kind of big, crazy thing. And then the last piece I want to leave you with is tip number five is think physical distance, not social distance. I hate that we're calling it social distancing. I really do. It's physical distancing. There should be no social distancing. I'm saying that right now. And I, I think what happens when we think of social distancing in that way, it really is, you know, it's a subconscious thing that we stay away from people, that we don't talk to them. I'm telling you, you're telling yourself all the time the same thing. Every time you see a sign that says it, every time you go anywhere that says it, it really, I, I'm... I'm angry. I'm angry at that, that, that 
that's what came up. It's physical distancing. That's it. So relationships and social connections are the key to a happy life. There was a huge Harvard study about this not long ago. I'll link to it in the show notes. Finding ways to connect with others, you have to. Friends reduce our anxiety. People, good people, reduce our anxiety. The calm ones do. I, I will say this in this you have to keep in mind about who you allow in your circle because there's also something, uh, we know that there's what we call social contagion and our emotions are contagious. They are. So others can make you feel fear and panic in the same way. Make sure you're not the one infecting other people with your fear and panic. So be very mindful about who's around. If all your friends, you're only talking about politics and how horrible things are and the state of the world and how much this sucks and whatever, this is not good. This is not good. It, it doesn't help. It, it's not moving the needle. If you're talking about what you're doing, um, yeah, I started registering people to vote on Tuesdays. I'm really excited about that. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. That's great. But just sitting around bitching and moaning is not helping you. And if you have people who are around you a lot who are anxious and fearful. And if their constant feedback to everything you mention is something anxious and fearful, you have to be mindful of that. Now, it might be that that's your mom and you feel like you, you're not going to cut off your mom, but you can interrupt the behavior and let them know, you know, it's not really, um, I really don't want to talk about that in that way, or you can just change the subject. I find that that's very easy to do. Uh, but also notice, all right, well, my mom is like that and I, and I do hang with her. So I need to make sh extra sure that the other people are not like that, that I'm spending the most time with. So really pick and choose, really be be careful around this. But, uh, and I don't care if you uh, go to church or mosque or temple, you know, if you do it that way. Uh, in uh, people in recovery, we have 12-step meetings and Dharma and recovery and, and smart meetings, and we have all kinds of ways we can do those. There's lots of stuff online these days. You could take a class online. You could do so many things. Uh, getting out, I will tell you that even getting out with your dog, you'll meet more people. My my um, my wife, my, my, my really good best sister friend person in my world, my Rhonda, she's got a doggy, first dog, first dog ever. And she's been talking, and she lives in New York City, and she's been talking about how she's meeting people left and right walking this dog. <laughs> and they're careful in New York. It's, trust me, they're, they're not, nobody in New York City is, is all over, they're really being good, careful and, and really thinking about things, but they're still talking to each other. And I will tell you this, being a, a native New Yorker, that New Yorkers are lovely. <laughs> lovely. We're fabulous. Now, we because you know you're with people the way you are, you there's just a culture and this is true upstate uh, in the city everywhere, but people are just tend to be friendlier. Really talk and really say hi and uh want to help and I can't tell you living in the city how many people would stop and ask me for directions or whatever and I would always stop and give it. I would always give them, you know, say hi. I always smile at folks, look up whatever. And I still do that. It's just it is different uh, here in Northern California. It is. It's a it's a different culture in some ways. I'm not saying people aren't friendly here, but it, it's a different feel. Um so but anyway, but you can walk your dog and me, people, you can just be outside. You can, I don't know, you know, think of things. Uh, uh, play Frisbee. That's far away from each other. <laughs> uh, go for a bike ride and be separated. You know, do things where you are socially connected to friends. And we all know about the Zoom happy hours and the rest of it. But you you really can, uh, if you make it a priority, find ways to be socially connected to other people uh, and not 
socially distant. That it's just such a big factor in staying sane, focused, calm right now. So, so that's it for today. I really am grateful that you're here. I love that you spend time with me every week. It means so much to me. Uh, Thank you again in advance for leaving a review of the podcast, of taking the time right now, hanging up and going to do it, whatever you're doing, or marking it in your calendar to do on next Saturday at 10 a.m., whatever, but to really make that a priority. I really, really appreciate it. I adore you. Be well, be safe, and uh, do all my tips and have a great week. All right. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.